Hey everyone, welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21 reads, And when we had parted from them and set sail, we came by straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had come inside of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unload its cargo. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we departed and we went on our journey. And they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemus and greeted the brothers, and stayed with them for one day. On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. And some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Nassan of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. When we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they had heard it, they glorified God, and they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. They're all zealous for the law, and they've been told about you and that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Do therefore what we tell you, for we have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourselves along with them and pay their expenses, so that they may shave their heads. Thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, but that you yourself also live in observance of the law. But as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. Then Paul took them in, and the next day he purified himself along with them, and went into the temple, giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled, and the offering presented for each one of them. When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law of this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was stirred up, and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another, and he could not learn the facts because of the uproar. He ordered him to be brought to the barracks. 
And when he came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd, for the mob of people followed, crying out, Away with him. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, May I say something to you? And he said, Do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian, then, who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, For today's nugget of truth, we can start off by just saying, obviously, the chapter breaks were not in the original document, as we see here that there's uh, quite the cliffhanger here at the end of this section. But what I really want to focus on is Paul's knowledge of the prophecies and the things that are coming to him in Jerusalem. When we know there are things looming in our future, we often try to avoid them or we often try to move away from them. That's one of the big things that people want to do with time travel is to go back in time and to change poor decisions that they've made. And we also will try to avoid confrontations or other things that we know are living in the future. But Paul with this is resolved to walk towards Jerusalem and what waits him there. We kind of almost see it like a mirror of what Jesus did as he set his face to flint and looked towards Jerusalem and went there knowing what was in store for him in that situation. But the bigger thing that I want us to really focus on is how when I read this chapter, I want to be like the other people often are that he sees, who say, no, Paul, stop, wait, what are you thinking? You need to pull back. You need to not do this because I believe I am thinking often in the same terms that they are, that if Paul is going to go to Jerusalem, that's the end of his ministry. That's not what we need. We need Paul to take another missionary journey, to continue to spread the gospel to the far reaches of the kingdom, to reach the goal that was laid out in Acts 1.8 that the disciples would be able to take the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But when we really examine that, Paul was not a part of that first plan. He wasn't even one of the disciples. And so we need to understand God's perspective being bigger than ours in certain situations. And Paul was in tune with that perspective as he was resolved to the will of God taking place in his life and knew the call that God had given him to return to Jerusalem. I can attest to a similar situation in my life, not that I had people waiting to kill me when I went someplace, but when I looked back on the situation, I understood how God had used that in my life, whereas I would not have had that same perspective going into it. And I didn't really even shortly after. Um, When I went to college, I went to a six-year medical school, and it was during that time that God drew me to a greater understanding of how he wanted to use me in ministry. But up until that point in time, I'd been on a trajectory to probably go to medical school since I was in middle school. And so as I looked at that situation when I left and when I started to work through the other things as I was pursuing God, I felt like, hey, I wasted this year of my life going to medical school, doing these things that don't really apply to me. But as I gained perspective, as I continued to go down the road further, I could see why God needed that season of time in my life to allow me to see what he was doing as he was drawing my interests away from the previous passions to give me new passions. As he was also giving me the understanding of, hey, if you ever thought this was what you wanted to do, you see how it's not. You see that this is not fulfilling to you and it's not what I've equipped you to do. 
And so as I looked at different times in my life where I've had situations where I felt like, hey, you know what, if I had more money, I could solve my problems. Maybe I should have just been a doctor. I would never have to worry about money. I would never have to worry about any of those other situations. I'm resolved to understand that that would not have provided happiness, joy, or contentment that I seek, nor would it have been me using my abilities for what God had prepared me for. But in that moment, I would not have understood that. But looking back, I can now understand that. Because when we look here at Paul's life, he's resolved to go to Jerusalem. He knows what awaits him there in terms of this imprisonment. And he knows that that might mean that he doesn't make it back out to these other ministries that he's been at. But what we see from Paul as we look through the rest of what happens in his story is that doesn't end Paul's ministry. Paul adapts. He relates in other ways that are possibly even greater to us. As we have the letters that he writes as the epistles and the different letters that he writes to individual church leaders and so many things that we're able to glean from in a season of his life that some would say was wasted because he wasn't able to do what he had been so successful at doing. The thousands of people that had come to Christ through the spread of the gospel of Paul pales in comparison to the millions of people who are able to read God's word now. But in that situation, we would be just like these other individuals who are trying to keep him from going to Jerusalem if we were to be honest to say, hey, Paul, we think it's best for you to continue to do these missionary journeys. And so it's a reminder for us that God has a greater perspective on situations and is able to redeem them for his purpose and for his glory when we are willing to submit ourselves to his work in our life. And so hopefully that encourages you today as you walk through different situations where you're making decisions. Hopefully you're resolved to understand that God has a path for you that brings him glory and uses you as a part of that. And hopefully we are able to see and understand that when things don't make sense for us on the first round or on the first or even second or third or fifth time we're thinking through it, to trust that God still has a plan in place that is a part of his greater plan of what he's trying to do with us and with his human race. As far as our question for today, I'm going to put on my middle school boys hat here for a moment. And definitely, this is one of those parts of scripture that you're like, hey, wait, what? When you're in middle school, as you hear about this Egyptian who stirred up and led 4,000 assassins into the wilderness. That sounds like a story I want to know more about in a middle school boy's mind. Um, and as we think about that, as we look into it, what else do we know about this Egyptian or what took place? We can actually study the other sources of the time and see that the people write about an individual who led these assassins or these Sakari warriors were revolutionaries and insurrectionists, much in the same way as the individuals who were tried with Jesus when he was crucified on the cross. These individuals wanted to overthrow the Roman government. And we see that Governor Felix had squelched an uprising in his time from this man's soldiers and they had been cast out of the area. And so possibly this individual is thinking, hey, they've regrouped, they're returning, and these people have met them with the resistance that we will continue to do with the Roman government in that time. And so that's kind of what they're thinking here. It doesn't give us a whole ton about what's going on with this Egyptian and the assassins. We would certainly, in our middle school boy's mind, love to know more about that. That would be a great movie to make about what it looks like to have 4,000 assassins running through the world at this time. 
But that is, once again, not necessarily what this passage is focused on. But it gives us an opportunity to understand a little bit of the history surrounding the descriptive events that we're seeing in this chapter that further validate the message of the Bible and further give us clarity that this is recording real-life events that took place in this time period that we're able to see how God is moving his plan forward in these events as well as others in the time. And so as we study God's word each day, we learn those things. So hopefully you're learning and growing in that understanding. You're developing study habits and tools to answer your own questions. You're surrounding yourself with people who are curiously studying the scriptures so that you can continue to grow in your understanding of the Lord. Know today you were loved. You're-